Does anyone else get chafing around their horns? Like, it was really, really bad when they first came in. But every once in a while, I don't know if it's tied to, like, a storm front coming in. But just, like, on the outer edges of the horn itself as it comes out of your head, God, it hurts so bad. Fuck. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. Thanks for joining us. It is February 28th, the last day of the month. I got a great show for you this week. That's right, in The Devil's Advocate, we're going to be talking about Sell Soul Plus TM. Let's sell your soul. In Infernal Informant, horrible witnesses recall massacre in Ethiopian holy city. And we're closing it out with the creature feature. This is an oldie. But a goodie. Danzig 4P. That's right. Uh, horny problems. <laughs> Zachary, tuning in way early. Good to see you. Thanks for tuning in. Jason, what up? Gary, how you doing, man? Uh, William, always great to see you. Valeria, how are you, my dear? Kentucky Yuggy. Let the soaps begin. <laughs> uh, Dragon Moon, thanks for joining live. Dog, what's up? Lazarus, how you doing? Okay. Okay. So I told you guys last week that my daughter's birthday was this week. And we just uh, took her to... We did the whole birthday thing with, you know, the kids and the balloons and the cake. My wife made a birthday cake that was, like, way above class level of what the birthday was. You know what I mean? There's, like... It's, like, overdressing for an event. That's what this cake was. This cake was literally the best chocolate cake, chocolate mousse cake I have ever had in my life. The best cake I've ever had. All I want to do all day is sit by myself with this cake and a fork and just tear it up. It was so goddamn good. Unfair how good it was. Because I never had a cake that good. She never made me the cake that good. Ooh. Had like espresso, a bunch of different types of chocolate in it, mousse. Ugh. God. Anyway, my daughter deserves it. <laughs> no, it was it was awesome. Um, she my daughter wanted to uh, do zip lining, but it's winter, so we can't do zip lining outside where all the good zip lines are. And so we scoured the interwebs for local zip line opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds kind of weird. Um, and there was only one in the entire north half of our state that I could find. I didn't look in the southern half because that would be ridiculous. So we end up traveling, you know, 35 minutes to go to this place that's supposed to have, as advertised, a zip line that goes around the perimeter of the entire warehouse that the rest of the fun center exists in. Now, the <laughs> I should have taken cue from the images. First and foremost, sometimes the cover tells you all you need to know. 
Not always. Don't always judge a book by its cover, but sometimes, sometimes. So the cover, the images on the website are all little kids, not like 12 year old girl kids, but like, you know, five to eight year old kids. But I thought, well, yeah, but it's, it's an adventure center. So it's gotta have, you know, it's, it's definitely appropriate for all ages. There was a height requirement. If you were over the height, you could not use some of the rides. That was the height requirement. And my daughter and her friends were all above the height requirement. So it doesn't matter. They, they went through and did their thing anyway. But it's just weird that they don't advertise you must be below X inches in order to attend all the rides. They should say you should be above X inches and there shouldn't be some weird requirement. I mean, it's just, it's absurd. And anyway, the zipline itself, though they had a lot of fun, in my estimation, was bullshit. It was, it was like 20 feet. And for the price of admission, it's, I was robbed, robbed. But they said they had fun, so whatever. They had fun, I'm, I'm okay with that. <sighs> robbed. Because <laughs> in the summer, we have mountains all around us. We have uh, ski resorts that during the summer have massively long zip lines going from peak to peak and, you know, like crazy cool stuff, which is what I think she really wanted to do. So we'll have to go back and, and visit some of the ski resorts once they close and get, you know, refurbished for or set up for summer so that she can really have the zip line experience. It'll probably be a lot more fun for her anyway. Um, chicks update. Those little Tyrannosaurus Rexes growing. My wife spent the entire day, like, nursing one of the chicks. All day. And yesterday. It was... I mean, it was everything but, like, her, you know, like, with a little bottle, like, breastfeeding this damn chick. It was, it was that... I don't know, is it called, still called breastfeeding if it's, like, a bottle? Like, if you're... If, if a calf doesn't have a mother and you're like feeding with a bottle, do you still refer to it as breastfeeding? I don't know. Anyway, she was like feeding this damn bird because it didn't know how to like eat or something. And it looks like she actually fixed what was wrong with it, which is kind of weird. But the, the other two are doing great. This one, not so much, but you know, it'll pull through. It'll probably end up being one of the toughest chicks as well. One of the toughest chickens. Which is kind of cool, because it goes in line with what I was talking about last week. Not every... Was it last week? When I was talking about growth, I can't remember what week it was. These all blend together, these weeks. But uh, growth, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, as soon as you get to the age, then you're just fine and dandy. So, you know, she'll get to the age where she understands everything she needs to do properly, and she'll just grow into her breed. And her breed is probably a pretty thick and busty one. So, anyway. Nursing. Okay, there you go. Not breastfeeding. <laughs> That's, that makes a lot more sense. Try skydiving. No, thank you. I, I don't want to jump out of any plane ever. I am not. That's something like my, my son, my daughter, and my wife all want to do. And they've done indoor skydiving and stuff where it's like the big like machine tube you get in. And it like, you know, gives you the sensation. But I don't know. I don't want to jump out of an airplane. I have no desire my sister came back to town. She jumped out of an airplane. She came over and she, you know, was telling me how much fun it was. Falling to my death does not sound like fun. It just, 
even and and then you know there's no death at the end it's just you screaming taking deep breaths screaming over and over again until you land safely or die no thanks <laughs> milk squirting yeah so that that's that that was uh that was my past couple of days not the best not bad but the stress of birthday expectations right like it's got to be a special thing it's a birthday you got to make a big to do about it like if I, my my ideal birthday and it's why i've never celebrated it with friends and gotten together and party or anything my ideal birthday is a being alone it's just me and a bottle and some music that is my perfect birthday that's it that's all i want i want me time so everyone else is like, oh, we got to do like a big thing, a big to do and get everyone around and get presents and have big, you know, laughs and happy cheers. And I'm just like, fucking hell, why can't I just get my kid a bottle <laughs> and, uh, you know, give her some blue, give her some muddy waters and a bottle. Just be like, have a good day, sweetheart. <laughs> come on now. Wes, how you doing, man? Great to see you. Uh, they should come go skydiving with you for your birthday. You have to be 18, right? I'm pretty sure you have to be 18 to go skydiving. My son and wife could. I just have no, no, ugh. I tell you what, if they did go with you and they went skydiving and you all died, I would have Satan bring you back to life so that I could kill you for having killed my <laughs> wife and son. That's what would happen. I would call the Ghostbusters and they, they got connections. And so they would like do their ghost busting, ghost connection thing, bring your soul back. And then I would just berate your soul for the rest of tarnation. I don't, I don't know. How shitty would that be though? You're like, no, come with me. Let's go skydiving. It'll be a lot of fun. And it's like this horrible tragedy. Worse is you invite them all along. They die. You survive. How shitty would that be? <laughs> I mean... Come on. Uh, don't knock it till you try it. No, thank you. Uh, and I'm not knocking it. For those who enjoy that, good on you. You do you. <laughs> Just not me. All right. Uh, should we start? Let's start. Let's do a little uh, devil's advocate. This is a promotion for cell. This is a promotion for Soul Cell Plus TM. Let's sell your soul. Our Dark Lord Satan is resting upon his throne in the ninth circle of hell, waiting for the opportunity to claim another soul. Will it be you who signs in your own blood on the dotted line next? Well, I want to help you sell your soul, so allow me the opportunity of explaining exactly what the process is like today. With the digital age fully upon us, our Dark Lord, Satan, has developed an app 
available on the infernal app store called SoulCell Plus TM. Now, SoulCell Plus TM is a way of adding you to Satan's queue. You will have to pre-fill out the contract digitally. It's really up to you whether you print it out to sign in blood, traditionally, or alternatively, you can now purchase the Lightning Connector Pin-Plicking System, registered trademark, through the app for $6.66. You know, because of Satan. This system will bypass the physical signature, but you will have to have your retina scanned with your blood signature to complete the pact. In a truly innovative way, SoulCell Plus TM allows an a la carte style menu. You enter your worldly achievements, ethnicity, age, and gender, and it will match you with the appropriate packages our Dark Lord can offer you. There's even a balance factor in selling your soul. Most applicants on SoulCell Plus TM opt in for the Diamond Devil level, which grants you real-world success, fame, love, and money. It's the most popular level due to its accessibility and broad application. Once you have submitted your pact and confirmed your level of service, you're officially entered into the Devil's Queue. It may take up to six months for his infernal lord's response. Due to COVID, we are forced to take special precautions accepting blood pacts. You understand. When your time is nigh... His unholiness will appear in a column of hellfire! Side note, please have a fire extinguisher present at all times. The mighty Lord Satan is not responsible for any collateral damage that may occur from his signature column of hellfire. <clears throat> anyway, he will appear in a column of hellfire and burn the sign of the devil into your head just behind your right ear. We are often asked if it hurts. And much like a tattoo artist when asked the same question, we must say, Duh, yeah, Lucifer is burning three sixes into your head. It hurts. But it doesn't last long, and with a little salve available for pre-order in the Celso Plus TM app, the pain will subside quickly. That evening, you will go to sleep, and when you awaken... Your greatest desires will come true. Footnote. Some side effects occur. Random impotence or fragility, hair loss, rectal inflammation, minor or severe cases of irritable bowel syndrome have been reported by some soul sellers. Thickening of finger and toenails, horns and back scales. Call your doctor before submitting your application to Soul Plus TM to see if the devil's blessings are right for you. All right, I wonder how many emails I'm going to get about Celso Plus TM. 
Okay, okay. What do we got here? I had to do it sometime. It's fun. <laughs> the Dark Lord is staying overnight. <laughs> All right, this is the Infernal Informant. Uh, horrible. I got to move my candle thing here now. It's in my way. Horrible. Witness regard. I'm going from a really joke story to like a really serious situation. So I have no, no good transition here. This is from ABC News. I'm sorry, this is from Associated Press News. Horrible witnesses recall massacre in Ethiopian holy city. Bodies with gunshot wounds lay in the street for days in Ethiopia's holiest city. At night, residents listened in horror as hyenas fed on the corpses of people they knew. But they were forbidden from burying their dead by the invading Eritrean soldiers. Those memories haunt a deacon at the country's most sacred Ethiopian Orthodox church in Aksum, where local faithful believe the ancient Ark of the Covenant is housed. As Ethiopia's Tigray region slowly resumes telephone services after three months of conflict, the deacon and other witnesses gave the Associated Press a detailed account of what might be its deadliest massacre. For weeks, rumors circulated that something ghastly had occurred at the Church of St. Mary of Zion in late November, with estimates of several hundreds of people killed. But with Tigray cut off from the world and journalists blocked from entering, little could be verified as Ethiopian and allied fighters pursued the Tigray region's fugitive leaders. The deacon, who spoke on condition of anonymity, because he remains in Aksum, said he helped count the bodies, or what was left after hyenas fed. He gathered victims' identity cards and assisted with burials in mass graves. He believes some 800 people were killed that weekend at the church and around the city, and that thousands in Aksum have died in all. Killing continues. On the day he spoke to the AP last week, he said that he had buried three people. Quote, if we go in the rural areas, the situation is much worse, the deacon said. The atrocities of the Tigray conflict have occurred in the shadows. Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed, who won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2019 for making peace with neighboring Eritrea, announced that fighting as the world focused on the U.S. elections. He accused Tigray regional forces, whose leaders dominated Ethiopia for nearly three decades before he took office, of attacking the Ethiopian military. Tigray's leaders called it self-defense after months of tensions. While the world clamors for access to Tigray to investigate suspected atrocities on all sides and deliver aid to millions of hungry people, the Prime Minister has rejected outside interference. He declared victory in late November and said no civilians have been killed. His government denies the presence of thousands of soldiers from Eritrea, long an enemy of the Tigray leaders. Ethiopia's narrative, however, has crumbled as witnesses like the deacon emerge. The foreign ministry on Thursday acknowledged that rape, plunder, callous, and intentional mass killings could occur in a conflict where many are illegally armed. Its statement blamed Tigray forces for leaving the region vulnerable and said any serious offense would be investigated. It did not mention Eritrean soldiers. Aksum, with its ancient ruins and churches, holds major significance for the Ethiopian Orthodox faithful, who believe that the Ark and the Covenant, built to hold the tablets, inscribed with the Ten Commandments, is located there. If you attack Aksum, you attack, first of all, the identity of Orthodox Tigrayans, but also of all Ethiopian Orthodox Christians, 
said Walbert Schmidt, an Ethios historian who specializes in the region. Axum itself is regarded as a church in the local tradition, Axum Zion. In a normal year, thousands of people would have gathered at the Zion Church in late November to celebrate the day Ethiopians believed the Ark of the Covenant was brought there after it disappeared from Jerusalem in ancient times. Instead, the church has become a refuge for people who fled the fighting elsewhere in Tigray. They sheltered there as worship services were underway two days before the anniversary. Eritrean and Ethiopian soldiers had arrived in Aksum more than a week earlier with heavy bombardment, but on November 28th, the Eritrean soldiers returned in force to hunt down members of the local militia who had mobilized against them in Aksum and nearby communities. The deacon recalled soldiers bursting into the church, cornering and dragging out worshippers and shooting all those who fled. I escaped by chance with the priest, he said. As we entered the street, we could hear gunfire all over. They kept running, stumbling over the dead and wounded, along with others trying to find places to hide. Most of the hundreds of victims were killed that day, he said, but the shooting and looting continued the following day. They started to kill people who were moving from church to home or from home to home, simply because they were in the street, another witness visiting university lecturer Gaytu Mak told AP. It was a horrible act to see. We watched the fighting from his hotel room, then ventured out as it eased. On every corner, almost, there was a body, he said. People were crying in every home. Another witness, who spoke on condition of anonymity of fear of retaliation, said soldiers killed a man at his home near the Zion Church. How can I tell you? So many dead, said the man, who had since escaped to the Tigray capital, Mekele. After the killings in Aksum came an easy, uneasy period, with soldiers roaming the streets and families searching for loved ones. At night, hyenas descended from nearby hills. The city began to smell of death as some bodies went untouched for days. I saw a horse cart carrying around 20 bodies to the church, but Eritrean soldiers stopped them and told people to throw them back on the street, said Gaytu, the university lecturer. Witnesses elsewhere in Tigray have reported being unable to bury bodies, calling it an added insult. They say soldiers tell them that no one mourned for our fighters, so why should we let you mourn? Finally, when the soldiers left the city to pursue other fighters, residents mobilized to bury the bodies, the deacon said. We could not do a formal burial, he said. We buried them en masse in graves near the Zion Church and others. Some of the dead were among the hundreds of thousands of people in the Tigray displaced by the conflict and not known to Axum residents. Their identity cards were collected in churches where they await the discovery of loved ones. The deacons said residents believe the Eritrean soldiers were taken revenge for the two-decade border war between Ethiopia and Eritrea that played out nearby and ended after Abiy became prime minister. A prime minister. Some of the soldiers told residents that they had been instructed to kill people as young as 12, he said. Another witness, a 39-year-old who gave only his first name, Miretab, and escaped weeks ago to the United States, asserted that Ethiopian federal police did nothing to rein the Eritrean soldiers. I said to them, listen, you're Ethiopian. They're destroying Ethiopian cities. How is this possible? Meritreb uh, recalled. They said, what can we do? They shouldn't have happened from the beginning. This is from above, indicated that it had been decided by senior officials, he said. He said... He ferried bodies to a mass grave by the Zion Church and estimated that he saw 300 to 400 there. The deacon believes the Eritrean soldiers in their hunt for Tigray fighters killed thousands 
more people and villages outside Axum, where they fought and lo uh, where they fight and lose, and they take revenge on the farms and kill everyone that they find. He said, "This is what we've seen in the past three months." Gaitu echoed that belief, citing his uncle who survived such a rural confrontation. The deacon has not gone to the villages outside Axum. His work remains with his church where services continue, even as he says the Tigray conflict is as fierce as ever. We're also protecting the church, he said. Even now, I'm talking to you from there. We are not armed. What we do is mostly watch and, of course, pray to the God pr to protect us. Well, he didn't do a very good job as of yet, I would say. Your God is non-existent. So, here's what I... I there, there's a couple reasons why I wanted to throw this story out there. First and foremost, the most obvious reason, we are so goddamn privileged in the first and second world countries. We, we don't have conflicts like this devastating us. Our foreign um, policies affect situations like this. Right now, uh, the... Uh, current administration is reaching out to try to find ways of assessing the truth of the um, uh, claims and to provide some service for those affected by it. But as we reflect in social media or watch the news or engage with each other and we bitch and moan about our society and about the election, about our political leaders, we whine and cry and tear about how unfair or how our country is going to shit. This stuff is happening right now. <laughs> so maybe have a little perspective before you start bitching and moaning about your political uh, 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 leaders being uh, banned or disaffected in different parts of the internet. People are being murdered in mass for no reason except revenge and opportunity and that's it this is the world we live in think of how fucking disgustingly privileged we are you're listening to me on a device that literally streams any bit of information you could ever want to find out in the safety and comfort of your own home i just opened this podcast by complaining that I couldn't just sit and devour a chocolate cake myself. <laughs> I complained that I had to take my daughter to uh, a place where she could just play for hours and just have a blast. Meanwhile, people are fucking dying in Ethiopia and other places around the world right now. And our foreign policies are actually assisting this from ha uh, assisting this in order to happen. Whether because of our past involvement, our backing of criminal empires like dictators in uh, uh, Saudi Arabia and around the world, Israel, dictators. Uh, yeah, we are adding to the problem. And our complaints are so pathetic when you put them next to other people's. And I'm not saying you should have perspective because they're suffering unjustly and we're not. Because I don't believe in this concept of justness. 
in, in comparing your life to other people. Those of us in positions of safety, it's only because of the chaos of the universe that we're in those positions. It's not because we deserved it or we earned it. It's just the randomness of chaos of the universe. <laughs> I can't help but reflect on the absurdity of that. The, the comedic insanity of the universe. That we could be here drinking wine in pure safety with freedoms that others only dream of. And others are being shot and killed and being their corpses ravaged by hyenas simply because they were moving from one house to another. That was it. They didn't do anything wrong. Probably no one in their family did anything wrong. Just a situation of circumstance. And we bitch about free speech being taken away or someone's probably maybe someday possibly going to take away a right of mine that was actually just granted by to me by some other random people it was not this inherent deserved thing just the chaos of the universe you were born in free countries the privileged pathetic nature of our fucking populace it's disgusting and it's not to make you feel bad. You should feel lucky. Don't feel bad. Feel fucking privileged because that's what you are. Even the worst people in Western civilizations that are denigrated and shit on are infinitely better than anyone in third world countries around the world, of which there are many. Just take that in for just a second. Look at the dead fucking people lying in the street. Corpses. For days. And what did you bitch about today? How disenfranchised do you feel in your life? How about you thank the chaos of the universe for the opportunities that you're afforded? that others aren't. Not that there's some god that you should be prostrating yourself in front of. Just random chaos. Just, boop. You happen to be here, they happen to be there, and fucking glad I'm here. Don't feel regret. Don't feel bad. Feel good that you're here. That you're privileged where you are. That you have the opportunities. I do. I would never trade my fucking position in for anyone there. Not, no, ever, never, never, never. We have the opportunity to jump out of airplanes and float as if an angel to earth. They're being shot just because someone said that they didn't deserve to live for no reason. They're just like, ah, fuck it. The second part of this, um, <laughs> oh man, oh, okay, this is actually the second part, Zachary, that I wanted to get to. The Ten Commandments and the Ark and the Covenant. Graham Hancock uh, did his, he was a journalist uh, before he became an author, 
um, and uh, he studied the Ark and the Covenant and the history of the Ark and the Covenant. And I'm a big fan of, um, <laughs> this is going to sound stupid, I'm a big fan of Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones in general. And so that's where it first came under my frame of mind. Um, so when I found out that there's an actual like journalistic book, not fantasy and religious mumbo jumbo, just straight up journalism, uh, tracing the histories and the tales and fables of the Ark and the Covenant. I was like, yes, I've got to read this. This is going to be great. And he basically takes um, biblical record and tries to find historical record to match up. And it does match up back to Exum. And the, the thing is, is no one except for the priests are allowed into where the Ark and the Covenant is. And he posits at the end of his investigation, at the end of this um, substantial book, that the Ark of the Covenant was actually probably fashioned after like a meteor or some radioactive mineral um, that's foreign to Earth. And that's why it was used as like a weapon. And that's why priests who were around it actually had radiation burns and died and could not, you know, you have to rotate the priests out because you would actually, you know, just exposure alone to the Ark of the Covenant uh, caused you to uh, suffer radiation poisoning sickness and die and so he posits that it's not the light of god or anything it's just you know a meteorite probably fell and someone fashioned it into some sort of container and that's what was used and you know as a sort of weapon um and there's you know, there's historical record indicating that that's a possibility now he doesn't try to claim any truth of it or anything and he certainly doesn't say that the ark and the covenant in axum is the ark and the covenant from biblical history but he does say that the Ethiopians adopted a historical record and practice from when uh, the original Ark of the Covenant was stolen from, uh, I, I, I'm not good on my Bible history, um, from, I think it was the Temple of David. Um, it's the Egyptian uh, pharaohs or queens stole it from under uh, King David and brought it down through Ethiopia. And so the, the supposition is, is that either the original one is somewhere in Axum uh, or it once was and it just traveled elsewhere. But the point is, is that they picked up a tradition of crafting their own arcs of the covenant and treating them as if they were the real thing. In much of Christian fashion, you know, you pick up a crucifix and it's supposed to be, you know, Jesus on the cross, you know, some crazy shit. But it's just a, you know, a way of, of celebrating the history of their religious ideas. Little nonsensical, little silly, but you know, it's their thing, so whatever, I don't give a fuck. But I love the idea about the Ark and the Covenant actually just being this natural thing that ended up just having a radiation signature, and that's what killed the people. <laughs> like, that makes perfect logic. That's like Earth, it's like uh, the difference between, um, like the 1980s Batman. You know, it was like all fanciful and, you know, colorful and stuff. And then like the Christopher Nolan Batman, which was like very grounded in reality. You know, it's like the difference between those. One was like biblical fantasy. The other's like eh, gritty reality. I kind of like that. Uh, the truth behind the myth, as it were. Anyway, it's a great book by Graham Hancock. And... and uh, uh, I have it right here. called the sign and the seal it's not light reading but it's actually really really good anyway 
if you like history, if you like, just try to find the reality of sort of, you know, like religiously fabled magical histories. This is a great one because it again, it's it's from when he was a journalist, and it's a journalistic approach, not a religious fanatics approach, which gives it a whole different light. So. I can't put it back in my bookshelf while we're talking. Um, okay, that being said, fantastic reading stuff, but I wanted to bring that out because I think it's fascinating that there's, you know, there's there's all of this infighting um, in Israel and uh, over, you know, control of Jerusalem and, and who should really have the right to this plot of land. Meanwhile, there's another struggle south that's, just as as terrible and, and just continues in the same religious traditions over the same plot of dirt that's meaningless like people just come okay so and here's the real truth behind um um climate change the the hideous truth behind climate change and it's that what it equals is more war and devastation regional conflict. See, we like to think of, at least anecdotally, we like to think of wars as one nation gets angry at another nation and then they fight. But the truth is, is it really ends up in regional devastation. If there's no water to drink, then people migrate. Then nations are overrun with migrants that they don't want there and they start fighting their home nations. That's what happens. Regional instability due to environmental factors changing. And that's only going to get worse. So the wars that we're going to be seeing coming up in the next decade and more are not going to be because someone pissed in someone's soup. It's going to be because people can no longer live in the regions that they were subsisting in. They have to migrate in order to exist. And that's going to cause regional conflict and war and devastation because of climate change. And whether you believe it's man-made, whether you believe it's natural, it is inevitable that the result is regional conflict and war in mass and casualties in mass. So I hope by the chaos of the universe, you're in a place with abundant resources because otherwise you're fucked. It's just the reality of it. Yeah, he got a lot of shit, dog, um, for a lot of the theories. And to your point, he's gotten a lot true. He's gotten a lot wrong, but he's gotten a lot true. And he's actually redefined human history, which you think, I mean, on the scale of, of journalistic researchers who've ever done that, there's a handful, and he's one of them. And it's, it's fascinating that we re-examine our own histories because someone just didn't want to believe the lies that the educational institution wanted to continue believing because they were simple lies. You know, the world is flat. It's easier to believe that the sun revolves around the earth. It's easy to believe that we only started existing and creating civilization 12,000 years ago. It's easy to believe that. But the historical record tells us something dramatically different. There are ancient histories, truths about our species that we are just barely sinking our teeth into. It's really fascinating.
Um, all the resources on the earth, the moon, and the solar system belong to us. <laughs> the fighting for natural resources is always the reason for wars. Yeah, I don't know if they belong to anyone, to be honest, but we certainly consume them. <laughs> we claim them as ours, that's for sure. It's, it's hard for me to think that one particular species on the millions of years of history on a rock hurling through space has claim to anything, you know? We just happen to exist on this perfect little planet for our species, and we happen to be able to survive. And because of that, we're owed something? Like, I don't, I don't know. We use it, the resources. I don't think we have any claim to it but we're just like any other virus. We will continue modifying our environment to fit our needs, disregarding the health of that environment until the environment dies and we can no longer exist on it. Or we learn to live within the bounds necessary on the planet. Um, anyway, that's how I see it. Yeah, no dog, that's great. Um, yeah, we, our, our world is going to be drastically changing in the next 50 to 100 years. I, I, I think arguably more than any of us ever expect. And the devastation is going to be astronomical. It, it's, you know, the human life, this is going to be, a, in a modern era, proof that there is no sanctity of life. Because again, it's just random events, whether or not you're born in Syria during conflict or you're born in, I don't know, Canada in, during the 80s. Like, it's just, it's random chaos, you know? So, anyway, that's all I wanted to talk about with that. That's why it's a little bit shorter, because it was a longer article, and there's a couple different points I wanted to hit on. And I feel so goddamn fortunate, genuinely fortunate, to be where I am, doing what I'm doing, with the safeties that I do have. Yeah, as, you know, fake as they may be, at least I'm not being shot in the street. So let's do a little creature feature. All right, let me throw up this last one. And I I can't believe I haven't talked about this before. I'm obsessed with... Um, so uh, right out of high school, I started living in this sort of drug den. I've talked about it in the past. But it, it's basically a, a house in a really terrible part of town, right, literally right behind a railroad track. It was infested with cockroaches. And it was me and a whole bunch of others drinking drugs, parties, you name me, even, <laughs> even play Dungeons and Dragons and Star Wars role-playing games there. Um, but, uh, you know, so it was a nerdy drug den. But it was a drug den nonetheless. Um, but there's one guy there who was obsessed with Glenn Danzig. He was, he knew everything about the Misfits, everything about Sam Hain, everything about Danzig. He was obsessed with Glenn Danzig. 
He introduced me to Glenn Danzig. And you could bet that at any moment in the day, you could walk into the house and it would be some musical expression of Danzig playing. And I became inundated. I already already liked Glenn Danzig because I've always loved metal and, and rock and roll. And, and he is in line with <laughs> metal and rock and roll, you know. Danzig 4 is a different beast altogether. It's his arguably his most occult connected album ever. Uh, it was the fourth studio album uh, uh, by his band, released in 94. It was the final album on the American Recordings label and the last to feature the original lineup of John Christ on guitar, Erie Vaughn on bass, and Chuck Biscuits on drums. It followed the 1993 successful Thrall Demon Sweat Live EP and Danzig's 1992 instrumental solo effort, Black Aria, which is my personal favorite of everything he's ever done. I love Black Aria. Black Aria 2 is okay, but Black Aria, oof, it's great. It was actually the first intro song I ever used for this show, like if you go back to the original uh, episodes. Um, there was he didn't want any title on the disc itself. He just wanted the symbols that you see there because he didn't want it to be a traditional album. And in fact, it wasn't even sold in like a jewel case or anything. It was a cardboard sleeve, or if you got the vinyl version, the traditional vinyl cardboard sleeve. And so the, the record label was so adamant that there was some form of a title in order to continue you know, sales. They were afraid sales were going to drop without some sort of name on the album. Uh, he allowed them to put a sticker that said Danzig 4 with the tiny little P next to the 4. People don't really understand what the little uppercase P was, but it's a reference to the 4P movement. Now, the following information is from Wikipedia, so take it with a grain of salt, but it's also um, provided by the American Recording uh, due to the, the, the 4P. So, the 4P movement is an alleged satanic cult operating throughout the United States. An offshoot of the notorious Process Church of the Final Judgment, the 4P movement takes its name from the process's original sigil, a swastika-like form composed of four interlocking Ps. The 4P movement was supposedly begun in 1967 and has been connected to a number of ritual killings across the country, including the Son of Sam killings in New York and the Manson family murders in California. So, what they were constantly... Uh, uh, they were constantly called a satanic band and said that there was devil influences on all their music, which is all nonsense. But they thought, okay, you know, if that's what they're going to label us with, well, let's lean into it a little bit and just have a little bit of fun. So after the traditional tracks, of which there was 12 on this album, it went on in silence until it got to track 66, in which there was a track called Invocation that I'm going to play at the end of this, and I'm probably going to get demonetized for playing it, but I'm going to do it anyway. So Invocation is about literally a demon fucking someone. <laughs> Like, that's how they describe it. The song is inspired by a black mass Danzig claims to have heard about at the Magical with a K Child Occult Emporium in New York. Invocation includes a Gregorian chant and instrumental tracks that are unique to the song. See, this album, they actually went outside their traditional methods of creation. They tried different sounds. They experimented with different effects. They actually have songs played backwards. So... 
uh, well, just as I said, inspired by accusations of the songs uh, contained hidden satanic messages, the guitar tracks for Can't Speak and are those of Let It Be captured, played in reverse. <laughs> I didn't know this. So uh, I just thought that was kind of neat. Okay, so the CD players that display title track information as you're playing, like digital uh, time stamps and stuff, uh, once it gets to invocation, the current track number and total disc time elapsed in minutes reads track 66 and time lapse of 61.38 on the display as the final track starts. This is an intentional reference to the number of the beast, 666, and the song, We All Want 38, <laughs> the Danzig wrote uh, during his days at the Misfits. Pretty awesome that they put all that together. Uh, the album cover features artwork by Glenn Danzig. He is referring to the symbols that you see there uh, as Vemic runes that spell out Danzig. They were taken from the alphabet of a secret tribunal group from medieval Germany called the Vemgericht. So, here is Invocation. If the feed cuts out, you know why. Demon comes to anyone. 
because reference 138. I got it. I'm going to be demonetized anyway. All right, that's all I got for you guys today. <laughs> a little bit of fun to start with, a little bit of crazy serious in the middle, and then close out with a little spooky goodness. I call that a great show. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, thank you for tuning into this episode. And if you did enjoy it, you can uh, hit subscribe, hit the like button, and uh, sign up to the email list. If you want to find any of my other satanic series, just visit the website, reverendcampbell.com. And if you want to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, I think it's back up. Check out churchofsatan.com or read the Satanic Bible. You'd be surprised at how many people have commented on those reading aloud Satanic Bible uh, episodes that I put together. Uh, you know, thanking me for the fact that they don't have access to it or they have trouble sitting down and reading uh it's a genuine problem for a lot of people or they just you know are incapable of reading it uh, for whatever reason i'm glad that it's available for that type of person but for every one of those there's a douchebag complaining about how i'm reading it or the voices or you know whatever they're just bitching and moaning how about you read it your fucking selves. If you're going to watch a free fucking video about someone reading something that you're too fucking lazy to buy and read yourself or too pathetic that you can't afford the money to buy it and read it yourself, you should go visit Ethiopia and walk around outside for a while. That's what I think. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And until next week, hail that Satan. <laughs> Oh, and check out Soul Cell Plus TM. <laughs>